Now this 4th of July weekend, we know that our world has a lot of reasons for stress. We've got the invasion of Ukraine, we've got gas prices skyrocketing, inflation, political tensions, uh, the, the COVID crisis still haunts us and, and still lingers around. And so there, there are all kinds of issues that could bring, bring stress and anxiety to our world. And I came across a number of statistics about how stressed we are right now. Uh, a U- recent USA Today survey uh, surveyed people about the statement, we're struggling to stay sane. Nine out of 10 Americans agreed with the statement, we are struggling to stay sane. 53% of Gen Z, those are those who are 13 to 25 years in age, reported the biggest challenge they faced during the pandemic was their mental health. The youngest among us have been stressed through this season of the pandemic. 27% of Americans say they suffered some form of anxiety in the past week. That could be a, a PTSD, it could be a panic attack, could be social anxiety. There are a number of ways in which we experience anxiety, but 27% of Americans say they experienced anxiety in the last week. Anxiety is the most common mental disorder in the U.S. affecting 40 million adults. 40 million adults. A researcher and psychologist and author, Robert Leahy, says the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient of the 1950s. We are a stressed out people this 4th of July. Anxiety is high. Somebody knew I was going to be speaking on anxiety and they shared with me some memes about anxiety. I love these. The first one was, I don't struggle with anxiety. I'm actually pretty good at it. Maybe you've come in here today and you say, you know, the stuff that's going on in my family or if I see that person on TV again, I'm just going to be so stressed out. I don't don't know what the trigger is for you, but you might say I'm pretty good at it. Then I like this one where it kind of made it look like a a dictionary entry, anxiety, a noun, Uh, like having a toddler. It never stops talking, tells you you're wrong about everything and wakes you up at 3 a.m. Well, today as we continue in our series, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, We're going to talk about anxiety, stress, and worry that we go through in life. We are a stressed out people. So we're going to talk about finding freedom from anxiety. Finding freedom from anxiety. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. If you want to go there in your Bibles, maybe you have a Bible app on your mobile device. But join me in Philippians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 8. And in this series, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, we've been looking at the expressions also from the book of Psalms. So we'll be looking at a few Psalms today as well. Because the Psalms give us this expression of the heart. They're, they're the cry of, of the psalmist in real life circumstances, stressful situations at times. They're also the hymn book of praise and adoration to our God. As we talk about finding freedom from anxiety, and we look at Philippians 4, 4 through 8 today, I want us to just think about this thought. It comes from Max Licato, the author and pastor. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. There are going to be stresses in life. There are going to be things that happen medically in your family. There's going to be some stuff in your marriage, your family, your job situation. There's personal stuff, professional stuff you're going to go through. There are going to be triggers that can cause stress and anxiety. That's unavoidable living in this broken, fallen world. But being in the prison of anxiety 
is optional. Now, as I was preparing this message and thinking through anxiety and I was looking at a number of resources, one of the things I did is I checked out a book uh, by Max Lucado called Anxious for Nothing. And it's, it's a book that focuses on Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And um, as I discovered the outline that Max Lucado had, and then I was trying to put my own words to things, and I kept going back to his outline. And finally I said, you know what? Instead of my just disguising what he's written... I'm just going to go with what he has suggested in this book as a basic outline for Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Every now and then as I'm studying, I say, this is the better way to say it, and I'm just going to let people know that I'm, I'm using this resource for the basic outline. And it comes from this book, Anxious for Nothing. The subtitle to uh, the book is Finding Calm in a Chaotic World. And we've got a couple hundred copies that we've got available in our bookstore, and if you purchase it there, it, of course, supports the Ministries of Calvary. You can get it on Amazon. You can get the Audible version and listen to it, or you can get it on your Kindle and an e-reader. But it is an incredible resource when it comes to dealing with anxiety in life. Some very practical stuff, and I would encourage you, I would encourage you to check that out. You can, again, get it in the bookstore. Now, what I didn't know, I just discovered two days ago, and so I didn't get a chance to alert our bookstore about this, is there is actually a children's version of Max's book that he writes with his daughter. It's also called Anxious for Nothing, but for young readers, and it's for those 8 to 12 years of age. And so parents and grandparents, if you see your kids dealing with anxiety and stress, and we're learning that children now are, are suffering from anxiety deeply in our world, it's a great tool, and I've got it on my uh, Kindle app on my iPad, and I've been checking it out. It, it really is good for parents. We don't have those available in the bookstore. I didn't know about that till late in the week. But uh, it is a tremendous resource. And in this book, uh, basically, Max lays out four steps, four steps uh, to staying calm, to finding freedom from anxiety out of Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And we're going to look at those four steps, and they spell an acrostic. The four steps, actually, the first letter of each point spells calm, and it's an easy way to remember. And the take note has those four basic steps. If you go to our bulletin or go to our webpage, you can find it there. And I, I want to begin with the first step, and that is celebrate God. You know when you are stressed, when you're anxious, when you're having a, a panic attack, and you're feeling overwhelmed with life, uh, it isn't our first gut reaction to go to God and celebrate him. But the Apostle Paul, writing in the first century to the church at Philippi, writes from jail. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And this wonderful book of Philippians, this letter to the church at Philippi, is full of joy. And he gives in Philippians 4, 4 through 8, a basic flow of the steps you take when you're in an anxious situation, when you're stressed out, you're worried, you're overwhelmed with life. And he, he starts with this idea of rejoicing in the Lord, celebrating God, praising him, expressing our gratitude to him celebrate God. That's the first step if you want to find freedom from anxiety. Look at verse 4 and verse 5 of Philippians 4. Here Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes rejoice when there are no, no stormy uh, circumstances or choppy waters of life. He's saying always Rejoice in the Lord. And he repeats it almost like it, you could put it all in caps. Rejoice in the Lord always. Exclamation point. Rejoice. Celebrate him. Be grateful for him. Worship him. Praise him. Give thanks to him. Celebrate God. And then notice it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. 
When you're in a stressful situation, maybe even in the political crunch of our day and uh, there's something that's stirring you up, if you start with celebrating God, what flows from a life, even that's in some very tough circumstances, what flows from a life that celebrates God is a gentleness. We've, we've come to believe in the last few years that the crankier we are, the meaner we are, the more demanding we are as Christians, the better in the world. That's not true. We're to be the people who demonstrate the love and kindness and grace of Christ, even when we stand for strong biblical convictions. And that comes when we get our focus on God. and We celebrate him in the circumstances within which we find ourselves. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then he says, the Lord is near. And that seems to be out of place in these couple of verses. But the point here is this. This, whatever circumstance you're in, whatever anxiety you're going through, whatever difficulty worries you right now, however you feel in this moment, this anxiousness will not always be this way. You may feel in the moment that it's always gonna feel this bad. It won't always feel this way. The Lord is gonna return. He's gonna set all things right. And even over the circumstances today, he is sovereign and in control. And so we have to understand that we can rejoice because the Lord ultimately takes care of everything in the end. And we need to find our joy and our satisfaction, our, our gratitude and our thanksgiving in God. In a few moments, he's gonna say we're to pray to God about whatever we're going through. He's gonna say we pray to God with thanksgiving, a grateful heart, even before we see the solution to the situation we're in. That we need to have a grateful spirit at the very start of our going to God with our problems, with our anxieties. Celebrate God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Lakato says, anxiety refuses to share the heart with gratitude. When anxiety sees Thanksgiving walk in, anxiety walks out. So then we proactively choose to worship God. In response to anxious circumstances, stressful times, we celebrate God. As I mentioned, the Psalms have been a great tool for us in this series of it's okay to not be okay. We get the expression of the psalmist. 90% of the Psalms are written by King David. Many of them express his heart. Many of them are just hymns of worship and praise to God. There are 150 Psalms. The final psalm, Psalm 150, look at what it says in its expression to God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his suppressing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Are you getting a point here? He concludes... <laughs> Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Take a deep breath in. Exhale. Do you have breath? You're to praise the Lord. You celebrate who God is. And look at the last phrase. Praise the Lord. All 150 Psalms conclude this great collection of the heart cry of David and these great hymns of praise to God. The hymn of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, ends with praise the Lord. 
I don't know what you've come in here with when it comes to anxiety, something that's stressing you out, causing you panic and worry, and just you can't focus on anything else because of this stuff you're going through or this situation, whether it's personal or professional. But I want to encourage you, start today by celebrating God. We're going to have some worship in the midst of the message today to help us understand how we find freedom from anxiety You know, for some of us, there are circumstances, maybe even our personality, where for us to celebrate God is something bright and simple and sweet. Josh is going to lead us in a song, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, just simply and with a brightness to it as he leads from the piano in a moment. And for some of us at certain seasons, that's what we need in our hearts. Then there are other times when, like Psalm 150, we bring all of our voices and we sing with passion and and we bring it all before the Lord. And Jacob's going to lead us in the house of the Lord and about how there's joy in the house of the Lord. And whatever your anxiety is today, let's start. Let's start this process of being calm and finding freedom from anxiety by celebrating whether in sweet simplicity you sing and celebrate God or boldly and loudly you celebrate God. When you face anxiety, when, like Paul, you're in some sort of a situation that is not comfortable and maybe even got there for your faith, start by celebrating God. Celebrate God. Secondly, we don't only celebrate God, but we ask God for help. We ask God for help with that anxiety, with that situation, with that person, with what we're going through. We ask God for help. I mentioned last week, we really can't begin to ask God for help until we can boldly go into the throne room of heaven. The only way we can boldly go into the throne room of heaven is when we are God's child and we're all born sinners separated from God. But God loved us so much he sent Jesus so that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, any one of us and every one of us can have a relationship with God. We can be forgiven of our sins and be given new life in Christ. Then when we know Christ, we have a relationship with him. We are his son or daughter, and we can then boldly go to him and ask him for help. And maybe you're here today and you haven't put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've heard me talk about this week after week and you haven't rested your trust in Jesus as your Savior. You can do that right where you sit. Just say, God, I know I fall short of who you are. I I want a relationship with you. I put my faith in Jesus. And then God forgives you and gives you a relationship with him. He'll walk with you in this life and he will be with you even into eternity. If... Today's the day you're putting your faith in Christ or you have questions, you want to reach out or pray with one of us or have us pray with you, I'll be available in the lobby after the service. Our care team is down front after the service to speak with you. If you're joining us online or even here in the room, you can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen and we'll make sure you get some resources right away to help you know what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be God's child, to walk with him. And then someone on our team will reach out to you. Before you can know that God hears you when you go to him for help, you have to be his child through faith in Jesus. Text the name Jesus to that number below me on the screen and allow us to help you in this journey. Will you ask God for help? Look at, look at uh, verse six of Philippians four. Do not be anxious about anything. This is a strong negative in the original language. There's a double negative. Don't ever be anxious. Now, I said, 
as we quoted Max, the, the, the reality or the presence of anxiety is, is unavoidable. There are going to be things that cause us, that trigger us to anxiety and stress. It's being imprisoned by it. And so the command here is don't ever be in a perpetual state of anxiety. It's the continuous when it says be anxious. There will be times that anxiety will hit us, but we don't need to remain in a perpetual state of being anxious and worried. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not just the big ones you don't think you can handle, but even the little ones you think you can handle, you go to God with it. In every situation, by prayer and petition, prayer is you approach him, petition is you ask him to help you through that scenario, to help you financially, to help you with that person, to deal with the situation, to, to walk you through this thing that has changed and has taken you into a storm. And notice it says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. As we mentioned a moment ago, gratitude and thanksgiving come even while we're making the request. Even before we know the solution, we have a, a spirit of gratitude because God has been faithful. We trust him to be faithful again. And so even while we're asking, God, help me with this. God, be with me in the storm. God, resolve this. We say, and I'm already grateful and thankful that you are God and that I can bring this to you and I trust you. With thanksgiving, Make your request known to God. God wants to help us. Jesus said, if you seek, you find. If you knock, it'll be opened. God wants to help us. And he provides all kinds of resources to answer our prayers. I'm reminded of the, the, the fellow who heard about the flood warnings and he looks out his house and the, the, all around his house is flooded to the first step out front of his house and maybe six inches to eight inches of water everywhere and, and he prays, God, help me through this. And his neighbor pulls up in his big four-wheel drive and, and says, why don't you get in? The, the flood waters are rising. He says, you know what, I'm gonna just trust God. God's gonna take care of me. You guys go ahead. So the truck goes on and then it gets up to the top step out front. Now it's three or four feet deep and uh, another guy comes along in a boat and says, hey, we got room, get in. And the guy says, no, I'm praying. I'm gonna trust God to help me. I'm gonna leave this in God's hand. You guys go on. So the boat goes on. Finally, the floodwaters are so high, the guy's had to chop a hole in his roof and he's up on the roof clinging to the chimney and a helicopter comes and drops a rope down. And they say to him, you know, grab the rope, grab the ladder here, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. And he says, you know what, I'm going to trust God with this. I'm praying, I'm resting in God. And the helicopter goes off and the waters get so high, the man ends up drowning. And he's standing before God in heaven. And he says, God, I, I trusted you and you didn't take care of me. You didn't help me. And God said, I sent the guy in the truck. I sent the guy in the boat. I sent the guy in the helicopter. I sent you all kinds of help, but you didn't take advantage of it. Let me just say, we have resources available to help you. If you need pastoral counseling, you need professional therapy, you can go right out to our care ministry counter, right out to the doors here, and they can help you. We can get you resources to help you. Those are available to you. Being in a small group, being in a ministry team, being in a prayer group where you're surrounded with other brothers and sisters in Christ is another way you can find help. And let me just say, God even gives us psychiatrists and medical doctors and people of science who God's given them those gifts and abilities and they've even, uh, some in the medical world and the scientific medical world have even provided medications that can help us if we've got chronic, deep anxiety that, that we need some help with. That's a resource from God. And so don't turn away God's help. 
and trying to be super strong or something, reach out, go to our care ministry there in the lobby. And if you think you have acute anxiety and you feel like it's perpetual and it's deep and, and you're really struggling, reach out for help. You know, something coming uh, two weeks from yesterday that's going to be unique in our country nationwide is we have 911 that we call when there's an emergency, like a fire or someone collapses or something like that. A new number is being released. The number is 988. We'll all know this number. This is going to be the mental health crisis line nationwide. So you or if you have someone who's in a state of, of considering suicide or some other intense a, a mental health situation, you'll be able to dial 988 starting on July 16th with this nationwide mental health crisis line. This will also be the new suicide prevention line. It'll all be together in this number 988. What a resource. That's a good thing. We have our pastors on call 24-7 with a pastor on call all the time. You can call the main number here and get help. But if it gets really acute and intense, here are people who are ready to help at that number. And so learn that number. It's going to become as important to us in this stressed out world as 911 is in terms of emergencies of a physical nature, this will be a number we can call for emotional help. Ask God for help in every situation, big or small. The psalmist actually uh, cries out in Psalm 86, one through six. He cries out, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you, are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call out to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. Maybe this week, in asking God for help, you should just pray back to God, Psalm 86, 1 through 6, from your own heart. Asking God for help. So you celebrate God, you ask God for help, and then thirdly, you leave the problem with God. You leave the problem with God. Look at verse seven of Philippians four. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that passes all human understanding, it won't make sense to you. It won't make sense to other people around you. It's only the, I'm startled by Siri right there. I don't know if you saw me. She said, sorry, I didn't understand what you were saying. I usually try to turn her off, but I thought there were, I went like that and I thought there was someone behind me. Just had anxiety right there in front of all of you in that moment. It was a mechanical device on my arm even. See how quickly anxiety can come? <laughs> He says there'll be a peace that passes all understanding. After we've celebrated God, we've asked God for help, then he wants us to have this peace. It will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It speaks of as we go to God and we, we put that need in God's hands, we leave him with the problem. We don't try to take it back. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Why can you take everything big or small that makes you anxious or stressed and put it on him? Because he loves you. He cares about you. He wants to walk with you through that. We read in Isaiah 41.10 from the Lord. Hear the Lord say this to you. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You can trust him with what you cast on him as you make your request to God. 
you ask him for help, and you throw that care on him, then you leave the problem with him. How many of you have ever taken a car to the mechanic or to the dealership for repairs? Anybody ever taken a car? And they say, oh, you gotta leave it here uh, a day or two. No, that person is the professional. They're supposed to know the car. That's what they do. And um, it would be odd if you said, oh, okay, and then you crawled in the back seat and you just stayed in the back seat (laughs) for the day or two they have the car because you don't trust them. You just say, I'm gonna sleep in the back seat. I'm gonna live back here, keeping my eye on all this, and I'm gonna tell you what you're doing. And I know very little about cars. That would be a very bad thing for me to try to advise them. But some of us, when we take our cares to the Lord, it's like we crawl in the back seat because we don't think he can handle it. He is our God and he is able to handle this no matter what. We need to leave the problem with him. Often in our struggle, what happens is that we're like Peter when the disciples saw Jesus walking in the water. He said, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come to you. And and Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking to Jesus. And then as he's got his eyes on Jesus, he's fine walking on the water toward Jesus, but when he sees the wind and the waves of the storm on the Sea of Galilee that night, and he notices that, all of a sudden his eyes are off Jesus, and he begins to sink. And he says, Lord, save me. And as he cries out to the Lord, the Lord saves him and picks him up and puts him in the boat. He asked God for help. He made this problem the problem for Jesus because he knew he couldn't rescue himself. We need to ask God for help and then leave the problem with God. In Psalm 62, five through eight, the psalmist expresses his trust and confidence in God, leaving the problem with him. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. God is our refuge. We can cry out and ask God for help and say, Lord, I need you. And then we can trust our Savior who cares for us and leave the problem with him. Father, right now, I speak the name of Jesus over every heart in this room and every heart joining us online. There are people who brought in some heavy anxieties some things that are stressing them, some storms they're going through, and I pray right now they would be reminded that they can ask you for help, they can leave that burden with you, and that it is in the mighty name and power of Jesus that we can find peace that passes all human understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. The prison of anxiety is an option. It's optional. We need to take intentional steps, as these four steps laid out by Locato help us to find freedom from anxiety. What do you do first? You celebrate God. You ask God for help. You leave the problem with God. And fourth and finally, you meditate on good things. Just as you intentionally praise God, even before you did anything else, even before you asked him for help, 
you have to, after asking for help and cast your care on him, begin to dwell on good things. Look at verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul writes, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Sometimes we can get caught thinking about the potential pitfalls and the negatives and what if this happens and the worry about this and if it goes this way and we get all caught up in the what ifs and the what ifs. We need to be thinking about the things as described here that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, things of excellence, things that are praiseworthy. These things are the things of God's word. Ultimately, they're the things of God himself. As I mentioned with Peter, he had to keep his eyes on Jesus, not on the storm. When he was gazing at Jesus and glancing at the storm, he was fine, but when he was gazing at the storm and glancing at Jesus, he sank. And far too many of us are gazing at our circumstances and glancing at our God, and we need to be gazing at our God and glancing at our circumstances. We need to be thinking about the things that are good and right, the things of God's word, the the fruit of the spirit. Jesus himself, he embodies this. As a matter of fact, one of the great ways we get our focus back on Jesus is through the Lord's Supper, communion. And again this week, we've made communion available in the prayer chapel that's just on the other side of that wall, on the other side of where that that, uh, Christian flag is. In the prayer chapel, pastors Dick Thompson and Sarah Serwinski will be there And they'll be there as you walk in to give communion to you. And then they're there to pray with you. And maybe there's an anxiety that has distracted you from Jesus. Maybe there's stress going on that's just gotten your eyes off of him. The elements of communion, the bread and the cup, remind us that Jesus came for us in bodily form. He paid the price for our freedom in his own blood. We can get our eyes back on Jesus just with the simplicity of communion. And maybe you've come in here with a heavy anxiety and you need to get your eyes on Jesus. Just slip into the prayer chapel. Allow them to just distribute communion to you and then to pray with you and be of help. Again, our care ministry counter in the lobby is there. If you need some pastoral or professional counseling, you can, they can help connect you there after the service. We need to think about Jesus We think about the good things, ultimately the grace of God in the personal work of Jesus Christ. Grace is God's goodness that we don't deserve. We need to be meditating on who God is and who Jesus is and how he has revealed himself in his word. Psalm 1, we began with the last psalm, Psalm 150. Let's conclude with the first psalm, Psalm 1. We talk about meditating on good things. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. It doesn't mean you're gonna be wealthy or there won't be problems in life. It means that as you meditate on God's law, God's truth, who he is, the goodness of God, day and night, no matter what storms you're in, he will give you a peace that passes understanding. And we need to meditate on the good things of our God, which starts with his, with, with his amazing grace and all that's encompassed in his amazing grace and the freedom we have. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are God's children and we are free to live for him even with the anxieties of this world. 
We need to dwell on the good things of our God.